That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Maiello. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Furbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking, and that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. Oh. What a catch. One-handed grab, and that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Guernsey Cricket's podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Cricket Development Manager. And on this podcast, we're going to be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators, and hopefully a few other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's podcast, we catch up with a man who has scored 1,480 runs at an average of 34.42 in 64 senior appearances and is known as one of the greatest captains Guernsey has produced. Right, don't f- my podcast up, you. <laughs> I thought I'd just give everyone a snippet of what Stu's really like. So welcome to the podcast, Stuart Leprevo, um, ex-Guernsey Good, captain and played for Guernsey for approximately 20 years, I think it was. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So how's lockdown been for you? I know you guys are back out on the ground and still doing a bit of work. Yeah, obviously it started a little bit um, bit shakily because we didn't know what we were going to do. Luckily, the, the powers that be had enough sense to sort of allow people in our trade to, to carry on, obviously following, following um, guidelines and what have you. But as a few of the other groundsmen over here I've spoken to, if we'd have been told not to, we'd have been in an absolute pickle after two months of not cutting grass and things. So thankfully, we've, we've been all right. We've been able to come in, sort of take it in turns to come in and um, and keep on top of things, the main thing. So yeah, it, it's been it's been good. And to be honest, it's been nice because I, I don't think I could, the greatest one in the world, I don't think I could stay at home <laughs> for, for, two, for two months solid. It'd be a nightmare. I feel sorry for the people who've had to. Yeah, no, absolutely. On that, obviously, we've, we're into about week, I think seven or eight now. Um, we're sort of starting to see the signs of coming out the back of lockdown. Um, and actually, potentially, I know today there's a, a meeting at the KG5, potentially seeing some cricket back on, uh, just one-on-one sessions, which would be good. Oh, no. People back on the ground. <laughs> oh, I don't want that. It's been lovely without anyone here. Now, now, obviously, you know, we always have a bit of a joke about it and how us groundsmen don't like people on our pitch. But, yeah, I can't wait, to be honest. It's, it's, it's nice to get windows where you're able to do things without people being around and being in the way. But actually, joking aside, what our job is is to prepare pitches for, for people to play and I think it sort of helps with Josh and myself both being well I'm an ex-player really I play a little bit but with Josh being a player you know when you turn up to a ground there's nothing better than the ground looking great and it makes you feel good as a player it makes you feel good as a groundsman so yeah I, I can't wait for it to get back to some sort of normality hopefully a bit later in the summer yeah I know Josh he's been sending me photos of his perfectly cut lines on the outfield and <laughs> he, he's already started his groundsman's badgership yeah, he loves that. So yeah, no, it's good. Um, to be honest with you, it's it's great. You know, I've I've known people over the over the sort of quite a few years now that I've been doing grounds. I've known people who have, who have done the job and not really enjoyed sport or not even had a, an interest in the sport. And to me, that would almost be like my worst nightmare of sitting in an office and crunching numbers into a computer or something, not having any interest in what I'm doing. Whereas, you know, obviously with Josh and I, we're, we're very cricket, especially orientated, but both, you know, football, rugby and everything, I enjoy them all. It's, it's nice to have an interest in it. So it, it does make a big difference. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. Coaching is exactly the same for me, to be honest. I've got a keen interest in it. And there's a great feeling when something you're working on with the player actually clicks. 
So if we rewind back to the start, how did cricket all start out for you? I, it's, it's just one in the family, really. My, da- my dad used to play cricket. Um, he used to play back in the old First Division many moons ago for, for the old Cobo. I think they, they were originally called the Rockmount Cricket Club and then they changed to Cobo about two or three years after that. So he's been there pretty much since the start. Yeah, he played First Division cricket. I think he was a, a fairly okay first division cricketer not you know when when I used to go and watch him when I was a, a wee lad he was he was going down the divisions then he was playing for irregulars and people like that I remember my mum used to cook up some sausage and chips at home and wrap them in some newspapers so I could take them to the uh, perhaps you should have stopped now I've had a few too many at least but um, yeah so I used to take my, my little sausage and chips and watch the old man I probably was a, my brother wasn't there so I must have only been maybe five or six I suppose and watch him and obviously he got to know a few of the guys he played with and played a bit there as well so yeah it was good yeah so you mentioned about your dad playing now I'm sure as he always talks at the end of season Kobo dinners he makes himself out to be sort of like Don Bradman (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyone who hasn't seen him play would think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread I think uh I mean, he played against Gary Sobers once when Sobers came over and he played against him up at the college field and regales stories of how Sobers smacked a six so hard it never got above above um, head height and all this sort of stuff. And he was a bit of a, an idol for the old man. But, um, yeah, I think sometimes he think, I think he thought he played like him. But, uh, yeah, he still maintains he's got a better square cut than me. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let him have that one. <laughs> and then obviously your brother played as well. Gareth, quite a useful cricketer up until sort of school days, and I think he stopped playing. Yeah, yeah, he's the brains of the outfit. So he was, uh, he was a bit more of a the Brearley character. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily the, the the best player in the team, but he he, he knew his way around around a sort of captain's team sheet and the tactics of the game. And still to this day, you know, when I, whenever I've been captain of the sides, he's always someone I've you know um, liked his opinion, got his opinion more so. To be honest, about me as well. Um, he's pretty pretty clear cut about me and my career and how I should have possibly batted a bit further up the order when I was captain and there's always this sort of case where you you try and give everyone a bit of a game um, but when you get into the realms of ICC tournament cricket and you know you've got hundreds of thousands of pounds really riding on results for for the island and things like that you it gets to a stage where actually you're not out to give the guys a bit of a a bit of a knock you know you go out there and you actually have to have to perform for, for the good of cricket locally from the, the bottom up really so yeah he, he's been really good for me says it straight good and bad you know if I've been right or wrong he'll tell me so it's handy to have someone like that really yeah no definitely and, and did that all start sort of playing in the back garden against each other yeah yeah me brother and my dad and then obviously when we were a little bit older we used to come down here to the KG5 pretty much every night used to have a, a bit of an expanded first division back then I think there were eight or nine teams so you know, there was a first division match every night. So you didn't have to worry about, oh, who's playing tonight? It was just a case of, right, wolf your tee down, get in the car, up the KG5 and get the stumps out. So there was a few of us um, back in the day, a few guys who've left the island now, Sam Fuchs, Matt Breyer, who both came up through the ranks. And I know Sam was a year above me, but he captained the, the, the under 13 and 14 sides and 15 sides that I played in the year above. He was a good mate of mine. We used to play a lot. Savs used to come down a little bit as well. Big gangly oaf used to come down and hurl a few down. So it was it was it was great. I, I remember we did it till we were sort of mid-teens for sure, probably till I was almost ready to drive 15, 16. We used to bowl at each other at the speed of light off about 12 yards with one of those wind balls, you know. So if, if it hit you, it stung, but it didn't, you know, you wouldn't you're gonna break a finger or anything, but you didn't want to get hit. 
And I remember having a, a season, I think it was playing in the second division when I was about 15. And I was seeing it like a beach ball. It was incredible. I never, never, I didn't even think about it. And then at the end of the season, I thought to myself, it's because we've been hurling the ball down at each other from 11 yards as quick as we can. And then what used to happen, the ball used to go in the dwit and it used to get wet. And the plastic ball, when it got wet, it used to zip off the surface. So you didn't want to, you don't want to waste the next ball where the ball was wet. You wanted to get a nice little short of a length one in into the ribs. And it was, uh, it was a killer. But yeah. Great days, great fun. And it's, it's nice to see kids doing the same now when this game's on. You know, I love seeing the kids playing around the boundary and stuff. It's great. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree more on that. Um, was there any other sports that you guys played as, as youngsters or was it always cricket? Mainly cricket and football, just the, the main two, really. I always, always sort of like had a fairly decent hand-eye coordination. So we did a bit of all sorts of school, a bit of hockey, and, but not to any great standard or anything, just played for the school side. But yeah, football, I was a goalie, uh, two-fat runner in the outfield. So, But yeah, I used to quite enjoy my football a bit as well. I played a bit of local Prio football when I was a bit younger for Rovers. But yeah, I was bulk standard, really. Nothing nothing out of the ordinary. It was, it was pretty strange playing goal for Rovers because... We were pretty much the whipping boys back then. So we'd lose six, seven, eight nil. And because of that, you're always under a bit of pressure. So you end up making a few good saves in the game because you always got shots coming at you. So you're bound to save a couple. But then out of the six or seven nil, it was probably my fault for three or four of the goals. So <laughs> it's a little bit of <laughs> But yeah, no, it was good fun. I enjoyed it. Didn't really enjoy the training under the floodlights down there in the middle of January. But, you know, you do that when you're young. Yeah, something that I've asked the boys in the in the first pod was, can they remember their, their debut for Guernsey? Because I can't actually remember mine. I've been going back through scorecards and everything else. Uh, to try and find out when mine was or whatever, you know, what tournament, etc. But can you remember yours? I remember my interinsular debut. I may have played against the MCC or the Hampshire Maniacs possibly that season leading up to the interinsular. But I, d- I definitely remember my interinsular debut because it was here at KG5. And I, th- I think it was, a, it was a slightly foggy morning. Um, and the Jersey guys were delayed slightly. So we were all sat out around the front. And uh, our good cricketing mate, Carl Parkin, was around with us. And uh, he was uh, reminiscing with the boys. And then the Jersey guys turned up. I, I think what must have happened earlier that... It was 97, I think. Uh, I think what must have happened earlier that year is Steve Carlion would have been playing... Marathi football for Jersey because uh, he was obviously a fantastic sportsman great goalie and cracking open and bat as well I think he must have made a mistake in the Marathi to, to either give Guernsey the win or to, to, to let in a goal or something because the first thing that happened when the Jersey guys got off the bus was Parky gave him a bit of a barrage about um, how he, he cocked up in the football and he was hoping he was going to do the same today in the cricket to let us have the win so that was quite nice, actually. It sort of broke the ice for me because I knew Steve. He was a great lad. He laughed at it and he obviously knew Parky and it was, it was great. Uh, yeah, I remember the interinsular debut. It was unfortunately a loss, but we were in a great position. Sort of probably blamed myself a bit, really. We were chasing about 200. We were 100, or no, perhaps a bit less than that, 80, 80 or 90 for two at drinks. And I was set in with Richard Vale. I think it was. I was on about 40. And then pretty much straight after lunch, chipped a silly court and bowl back to Bradley Veldon, who just a, a dolly, basically. But yeah, if I'd have probably batted another even five or six overs, get another 20 or 30 runs, and because I was, again, pretty much seeing it like a beach ball. But yeah, we managed to, we had a bit of a habit of snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory back then. Yeah, something that I've actually, I've written down, it will come up later on as well, which uh, we seem to be good at that. Um, <laughs> when we used to go on tour, so obviously Guernsey cricket changed over the years. It started out with Whites and, and Red Bull. Um, yeah. And we've gone more to the ICC stuff, 50 over cricket, 20 over cricket of coloured clothing and white ball. Uh, who was your roomie when we used to go out on tours? Uh, very often, I used to room with Gritchie, the mad snorer, terrible snorer. It was, 
you thought you were under pressure when you were playing the game. You know, you needed 15 off the last over to win and you had one wicket in hand. That's not pressure. Pressure is going to sleep in a room with Stan before he does. Otherwise, you've got no chance of getting to sleep all night. <laughs> I've thrown shoes and all sorts at him. He, he's an absolute train when it comes to snoring. But no, good mate. And uh, yeah, pretty much always shared with him. Yeah, yeah that's, good that's something I'm going to touch on later about how much of a stalwart he was for Guernsey cricket. A, a yeah. great player, really. Definitely. Um, What's any funny cricketing stories that you've got? Uh, broadcastable, I'm not sure. Um, that's one of them, actually, one of the fairly early memory for me when I played for Kobo in the first team. We used to enter the Jersey knockout. So go over on the Condor, play the game. It was a great, great length game, actually, 35 over game, which is pretty much perfect for our team back then because some of us were a little probably chunky. Some of us were a little old. We used to have the team like Pete Vidamore and Gritchie. Mark Colwell and Mark Paul, you know, some some decent players were probably in the sort of the twilight of their career. Still decent, but you know, in the mid sort of thirties, getting a little bit. But so thirty five overs was 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 cracking for us. Seven overs a bowler. It was sort of like fit the gap between an evening league game and an afternoon league game, and it was ideal. But yeah, I remember Gritchie. Someone hit a boundary and he had to go and collect it. And someone had painted a fence down at the bottom of the ground. So the ball was at the bottom of this fence. So he, for so, somehow, I, I don't even remember how he did it. He put his hands on this fence, probably out of frustration, realised it was wet, had both hands full of wet, oily, greasy paint. And his cap had fallen off. So he had to kick his cap around the whole boundary on the way back to wash his hands. So I don't know quite how we got through the next couple of overs because we watched him just kick his cap back around the the field but yeah it was uh, he was a he was a character as old Richie yeah no definitely um, I seem to remember a, a bat whistling past my head as well in the, the college field changing rooms verbs I don't know if you know <laughs> anything about that but yeah you've known to have a little bit of a temper in your time I'm calm now in my old age <laughs> yeah I can't remember if I was padding up or if I was unpadding and then you came in you were out obviously not out you were probably outside the line or something <laughs> you know? um, but yeah bat hit the bench, whistle past my ear. And I think I said something along the lines of, oh, Ben, would you not mind doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Please, old chap. Yeah, no, I do, I do remember that incident quite well. I think I was actually, it was just before a Guernsey tour, one of the uh, world cricket leagues. Oh, yeah. I, was, I was struggling to get in the side and that was sort of like a... Well, that would have helped, hitting the captain in the end with your bat. <laughs> so I came in the change room, obviously disappointed <laughs> getting out. What could have made it worse is if I'd have cleaned out the Guernsey captain not to get selected. <laughs> um, I do actually remember one other funny story, which has just come to me when we played Griffins a few years ago and Joshy was actually bowling for Griffins then. And uh, just before we'd, we'd, you were in bat and I was next in and someone said to me, oh, I haven't really seen Stu play. It was one of the youngsters. And, and he said, what's he like? And I said, one of the best players you'll ever see off his legs. Uh, and then I came out to bat and Joshy bowled a maiden at you and every ball hit your pad. <laughs> 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 moving late, mate. It was moving late. I think that was the same year you went and got your eyes checked and came back yeah. with 20 vision. <laughs> That's it. So it just proved the fact I was rubbish. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. <laughs> on, on that, who's the best player you've played with or against? I think for, for, for longevity over a, a sort of a span of a long period, Frithy has to be the best player. He's, you know, he's um, that I've played with on a, on a regular sort of basis. You know, he's. He's class. Um, you'd always sort of put your mortgage on him, pulling him out of trouble, whether it be the bat or the ball or taking a good catch or something. You know, I've seen him take some crack and slip catches as well, which, you know, can change a game. So, yeah, over the sort of the long period, he, he would be the best I've played with. Play That would be in a team. Obviously, for Guernsey as well, I have to chuck Ami Banerjee in the mix as well. He was 
for me, he was the he was my nemesis basically. Whenever we played Opti's, I felt he's the only bowler that I've ever felt could pretty much get me out at will. He, he could come in and he either sussed me out or I'd walk across my stumps or do something. And he, he, I just never felt I would ever get any runs against him. And he was, he was class, you know, and he was only a little fellow. He had a rocket of an arm. He could bowl proper gas as well if he wanted to. It was yeah. amazing. You, 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 you watch him play all season. I spoke to my brother about it. You watch him play all season and he looks like, you know, he, a bit more than a military trundler, but he'll come in. And then all of a sudden you're playing a big game against Jersey or somebody and your bowler you know, 80 plus miles an hour. And he's proper, you know, for, for our standard of cricket, absolute class. But yeah, he could pretty much flick a coin and say, oh, I'll get you out of this ball then and, and do it. And it was just, I, I just, it was probably a mind block or something on my behalf as well. But yeah, class player. No, I was fortunate that he was my uh, college cricket master at school. And I remember yeah. playing a game with him. I think we played Sherbourne College. I don't know why it was them, but um, he, he actually played for us because we were a bit short. And uh, I remember being in the slips, Jamie was keeping back then, and, and he just kept on getting, I think he bought 25 overs on the reel, and he just kept on getting quicker and quicker and quicker, yeah. and it was unbelievable. Like he, yeah. Most bowlers tire, he just didn't tire. And it, yeah. it, like you said, it always seemed, whenever I played against him, I was obviously only really young back then, but it always seemed yeah. he bowled at about 60, 70%, and then when he actually wanted to just, you know, get you out, it just yeah. bowled one at about 80, 85. And then, yeah, I mean, I think you, you probably know that more this than I do, but I'm, I'm sure up three age groups and stuff, he played with Ganguly and people like that in India. Yeah, I think yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He, he also used to be able to bowl left arm spin in the nets. Different gravy, mate. Yeah, no, he, he was very good. Very, very good. Played yeah. against a few decent pros as well, actually, who've been over in the past. You know, I remember people like Knotts used to come over here. I know David Nunes had a big power at Knotts and they used to come over for sort of like a mid-season, I suppose you'd call it a... Uh, uh, well, I don't know call it. Yeah. Lads holiday, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, I remember Chris Cairns was one who came over there. I played. I remember playing. I was playing for a GICC eleven. I was late teens, I'd have thought, seventeen, eighteen, and he bowled me a ball, and I thought, yeah, and I blocked it. I thought that wasn't too bad. The next ball, he bowled a bit shorter, and I tried to cut it, and I was about three days late on the shot, and they a, bit, a little bit of not sledging by any stretch, just sort of oh crikey, this lad thinks he's gonna cut you Chris or whatever next ball middle stump cartwheeling out the ground before he'd even seen it basically so you know it was just a different league that they had you know real real class but yeah we used to they used to come over quite regularly and funnily enough bat first get about 350 and then we'd struggle to 30 for six and then they bring on the the NAF bowlers and we'd creep up to 100 and that, that, that'd be that it sounds a bit like the MCC yeah similar similar <laughs> Uh, what's your favourite cricketing memory? I've got a couple, really. Actually, on a on a team note, I think, and I'm pretty sure everyone who played in the game will say the same. Always on the tour when we went to Malaysia and yeah. won that final, purely because of the. It was great to win the final. When you get to the final, it's great because you've almost got a little bit of pressure lifted off your shoulders because the top two used to go up from those tournaments. So. You know, the, the final day was almost like the icing on the cake. You knew if you made it into the top two, you, you was sort of home and dry. But it's always nice to win the win the tournament because obviously you get those points as well and you, you get those ranking places. Uh, but yeah, from from being sort of basically down and out to Kimbo seeing us over the line, which um, it's probably come up in most of the the podcasts that guys who have been there. It was uh, it was an incredible innings, uh, incredible day, and a terrible hangover the next day. <laughs> Yeah, and then on that, who's the best coach that 
you've ever been coached by, shall we say? To be honest with you, I, I owe a lot, especially in my early days, I used to do a lot with M.E.K., Mr. Kinder, Mike Kinder, and he was one of the guys who sort of like got me believing what I could do and how to do it, and he was great for my early career, um, along a little bit before Mr. Kinder, Robin Russell, Beanie's dad, again, great. I remember this was under 11s cricket, and Robin Russell was coaching, and I was just sort of like hoping to get in the team. I knew I could play, and I knew I knew I was all right. And my dad just said, "You know, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll be in the team. I'm, I, you know, you're, you're doing all right, and blah blah blah." And so then they came to pick the team for the game against. There was, I think it was a game against like a Sussex touring school or somebody. And Robin Russell pulled me aside. And he said, uh, "Yeah," he said, "You're definitely in the team." And he said, "I'd like you to captain the team." And I was like, "Blimey!" And it was it was quite surreal, really, because I was I was the only guy there from a from a state school. Um, it was it was literally 13 or 14 Beechwood guys, me who went to the Mardukatra and actually possibly Andy Mountford back then who would have been at Cattell. Uh, Andy went on to go to the grammar school, but then through the age groups, there was him from grammar, me from the Mar and everyone else from the college. So it was almost like a school plan against counties when we used to go on tour. Yeah. Um, which obviously you've been involved in the coaching. You know a lot of it's done through the state schools now. A lot of it's done. Um, a lot of the state schools are getting a lot more exposure and stuff. Whereas back then, you know, we used to play, when I when I went to the Mars Secondary School, if you had a, a game of cricket, you, you'd just turn up in your school uniform with your white shirt on and your black trousers, stick your trainers on and play. And it was, you know, some of the guys I'd play cricket with, they were, they were good mates of mine, but, you know, they, they didn't, didn't have a clue about playing cricket. And it was, it, was, it was really surreal, really. But, yeah, I was lucky enough to captain the under-11s after Robin selected me for that. And, yeah, it sort of just went on from there, really. And I, I enjoyed my youth cricket. And I made some good friends, actually. Made some really good mates who I'm still friends with now. So it's good. Yeah. So moving on from sort of the background, uh, if we go into, I'll sort of split it up into two parts. So we've gone with ICC stuff uh, yeah. and then we've got about interinters and a separate, and a separate yeah. um, spiel. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is good stuff, mate. <laughs> you went on Guernsey's first tour to Scotland, which was the ICC Europe Division 2 qualifier. Yeah. How, how was that as... You know, you weren't captain, and I think Bigsy was captain for, for that first one. I, I don't know, looking from the outside, I wasn't involved. This was the, the year before I sort of got broke into the squad. Um, but I don't know if we really fully appreciated as a nation the actual importance of the ICC stuff. I think we sort of saw it as another game of cricket, a bit of fun sort of thing. Yeah, well, the way it sort of... When Pete Vidimore was, was manager of the, the team the first time around, it was basically... When I, when I first started playing for Guernsey, it sort of... I remember you, you had a letter in the post to say you were selected to play in those games. So we had three games a year. We played the MCC in May. The Hampshire Maniacs were like a touring side of like a, I think they were like a, a club of clubs from Hampshire sort of thing. They came over who were a decent side and then the Interinsular. So if you got picked to play in either of those games or any of those games, you got a letter through the post. So the MCC game was on a Thursday and so was the Hampshire Maniacs game. So you needed two days of your annual leave to play cricket for the Guernsey which was not a problem back then. Yeah. And then the interinsular obviously was on Saturday. And so when Pete came in, he, he sort of looked at this and thought, this is ridiculous. You know, we play one game in May, one game in July, and then the interinsular in August. And we might have a net session before the interinsular where everyone turns up in their club kit and does that. And, you know, Vince Kenny would put a fag out on the way to the, to the middle to bat and what have you. And it was just a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a funny sort of, set up so what Pete did he bought in a, a mini tour if you like so I think it was probably 
either the weekend or a couple of weekends before the interim. So we used to go to, we went to Southampton a couple of times. So we go first thing on Friday morning, play a game on the Friday, play a game on the Saturday. And then one thing that really, it, I'm convinced it helped massively. And I'm sure everyone would say the same is we had a proper decent night out with all the boys on the Saturday night and then came back on the Sunday. And actually that, that group of players that I sort of like played with all through my Guernsey career, it was a group of mates more than anything that, you know, it was really important to socialise well and to enjoy each other's company. And it all started back then when we used to go to Southampton. Yeah, from then it moved to, we went to the ICC stuff, Scotland. So that was almost a, an extended trip. Really. I think it was about a week, a week or nine days, something like that. But as you know, Ferb, you obviously get your, your, your rest days in ICC cricket and stuff like that. So, you know, you can, when you've got a group of guys like that, it's important that they socialise. It's important that they go out and enjoy each other's company and have a few beers and what have you. But it didn't, it wasn't quite the same as Scotland because it was freezing cold and raining. But obviously when you're in Singapore and places like that, you, you just can't go out and have loads of beers and then rock up the next day and play because it's the heat and the humidity is just completely draining. You can't do it. So it was important for us that it happened, but I maintain to anybody that ever sort of would question it, it always happened at the right time. We never, yeah. we never overstood the mark. We never went out before games and stuff like that. It was always like those tours with Pete. It was part of the itinerary that we stayed over on the Saturday night so that we could have a night out and come back on the Sunday morning. And it, it worked was, really well. But that obviously sort of breeds that um, togetherness as a team. I remember in Malaysia, the one you touched on where we, where we won and went up, we sort of had a pre-tournament uh, night out when we got there as, as much as pasty tried to control that <laughs> i don't think you did a very good job um and then actually we we were fully focused on the tournament and yeah a lot, a lot of the things that dragged us through in difficult times was funny things that happened on yeah. that night and then actually at the end you had a big blowout as well which yeah that, i mean like you said can't agree more mate yeah the, the the first trip to singapore do you go on the first one to singapore yeah yeah. So the, yeah, the, so the first one, Singapore, was was the big one, and I remember we were sat there. It was the first day that we got to the Singapore Cricket Club. We had a meal at the Singapore Cricket Club, and the next day we had a sort of spare day, if you like, and then the following day was the the training day before the tournament started. I think we might have had a game that day actually. We went for a meal after or whatever it was, and I was sat opposite Dave Hurst, who was the then manager, and next to Gritchie, and Pasty was there as well. So the sort of four sort of, obviously me as captain, Gritchy is the, the senior ageing, balding <laughs> off spinner. Um, and obviously the, t- the, the other two, the coach and the, and the manager. And it was Dave Hurst actually that said, I think we should let the boys go out tonight. And I was a bit like, blimey, really? And I said, he said, yeah, I think we should. He said, um, we've got a rest day tomorrow. He said, I think it'll do him good because obviously you've got 16 blokes here that are, you know, 14 players and then him and Pasty, you've got 16 guys here that are not chomping at the bit as such, but you know, you can see that they're all sort of like they've had a beer with their meal and they think, oh, you know, I could do with a few beers tonight. He said, Yeah, I think we should. And I, he wasn't getting too much, uh, too much change out of that with me and Gritchie. We were like, Yeah, okay. Um, and then so, yeah, it, it worked. And the next day, the guys got up and were like, Whoa, imagine playing cricket if we feel like this. So the next night, early night, training day the next day, and then hit, hit the ground. I would say hit the ground running in the tournament. We lost the first three games. <laughs> but yeah, but we won the last three. So it, um, it was a successful trip all in all. But yeah, it, it definitely works. There's, yeah. there's, there's massive things to be said, like you just said before, about enjoying each other's company. Those funny stories from the night get you through tough times and, and it works. It definitely works. So 2007, following that, that tournament, um, Bigsy stepped down and you, you took over the captaincy. That must have been a, a real honour for a local Guernsey lad through and through. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I was sort of sort of half expecting it, if you like, because I was I was named as vice captain when Bigsy was captain. So like one of those trips to Scotland we went on, I know Bigsy didn't play in a couple of games, so I did it. I captained the side. So it was sort of a natural progression. But yeah, even still, it's it's a massive honour, you know. Guernsey went through and through and, you know, it, it means a lot. And you, you, you soon sort of like realise what, what it means to people, you know, especially in inter days and stuff like that. You know, even people who don't really know you come up to you at the end of the game if you played well or whatever or you know and it's like you know they're patting you on the back and they, they've obviously had a few beers but it's it's a massive thing you know it really is it's, it's like a dream come true for a young lad you know if I'd, if I'd have been playing down the bottom in the corner watching guys play like Ralph Anthony and all these guys actually in 10 years time I played with Ralph in an intrinsic game you know so it's it's a massive honour and something I'll always cherish yeah definitely yeah and then the following that we had a tournament in 2008 in Guernsey which was one of those moments where uh, we managed to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory, I think, uh, against Jersey, which we had a, a terrible collapse at the back end. And then after that was in a that, final, wasn't it? That was the final. Of yeah, that it was the final. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then after that, we in 2010 there was this, the same competition, so Division Two qualifier, which we we did very well in actually. Uh, and I, I went through the scorecards. You, you had a, a superb tournament. You, you scored. I got not out in nearly every game. When I was yeah, you had 68 off 72 not out against Gibraltar, so 42 off 71 against Israel. 31 not out against France and then 53 in the final match against Norway. So, yeah, yeah pretty, pretty good All tournament. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately for you, Frithy had a better tournament. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> As usual. I, I obviously saw the shine off the new ball for him. That's probably what it was. <laughs> I can't well, bat behind him. Yeah. Well, he batted at three and you batted at yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. Which the tournament was we played in Nigeria at the college field? Which was that one? That was a World Cricket League. So these ones that was a World Cricket League, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, the, the 2011 then saw the introduction of T20 tournaments where we finished fourth in the, in the tournament. How did you find captaining... T20 as opposed to 50 over cricket? Uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. Obviously, with even the league we played over here, we, we were sort of used to it. I mean, I, I, I don't make any secret of the fact that the, the, the Guernsey side that I had to captain was fairly easy to captain. Do you know what I mean? We had decent enough fast bowlers. We had a pretty settled sort of, especially when Annie was here, we had a, de- a settled sort of 3-4-5. We had Frithy and Gritchie who bowled 20 overs a spin in the middle of the O. In the, in the middle of the, the innings to shore things up. And people, I think that was probably the, the last or, or the end of the era where people played spin and just, oh, the spinners are coming on, we better better see it through sort of thing. Whereas nowadays, people start to start sweeping, like Frithy did back then, basically. He was a little bit before his time, you know, he started sweeping and reversing and ramping and all that sort of stuff. And when he first started doing that, we were like, what the hell's this bloke doing? But, you know, it, it's almost like the norm now, you know, if... Yeah. If someone's coming on and it's spinning a long way, you get your sweep out and all that sort of stuff. And Gritchie and Frithy were both very, very good bowlers. It, it helped that one turned it one way and one the other. Um, so you never really got used to which way the ball was spinning and stuff. So, But those guys, they pulled us out of so many holes. It's, it's, it's incredible, you know. And I always found it easier to, to, to set fields to, to the spinners as well because, you know, you've got to hit the ball as a batsman against spin. You, you can't use the pace. You've got to, you know, even if you start ramping it and stuff against spin, it... it you know, unless you're playing on lightning quick out fields, you can set your fields pretty well. And if I always said to Gritchie, if I've said it to him once, I've said it a thousand times. If someone hits you for six straight back over your head, you know, you've got, you got to take your out and say, fair play, good shot. If you drop in a short one and he pumps you over square leg, yeah, then I'll be pumping you because it's rubbish ball, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, but, you know, if someone comes down the ground, you, you don't ever see a bad six hit back over the bowler's head. Do you know what I mean? No, you don't miss hit sixes that way. Do you know what I mean? You might not middle them, but... 
you're going for that sort of shot. You can top edge all sorts and get runs behind the wicket easily. But yeah, so yeah, yeah they, they put us out of many a hole. Yeah, no, definitely. Frithy was obviously, like you said, the streaks above where other cricketers were at that stage. But yeah. he wasn't actually the most naturally gifted player, or um, he certainly worked hard. I remember him spending hours in the ICG, literally in the yeah. just hitting yeah, massively in balls. Um, well, it just goes to show, I mean, you know, a guy like that at our level, he, he was obviously head and shoulders above everyone around, well, you know, again, above the, the local players. Take Sav out of the equation. Obviously, Sav was a, a quality player, but a different player. Sav was very um, correct, you know, yeah. because he was so tall, he, he, you know, his front foot defensive shot would could negate a, a slightly shorter ball than than any normal height yeah. person. Even me at six foot, you know, his size of stride is ginormous. But yeah, Frithy and Savs, two very good players, but two totally different players. Savs is the most natural, beautiful, elegant, you know. And Frithy, you, you could tell with Frithy, he worked in it. But by gum, didn't he ever? Uh, he was tenacious, you know what I mean? He didn't ever yeah. want to give it away. Just loved batting. Just, yeah. just loved yeah. being out there and batting. So yeah, good for him. So then following on from sort of ICC Europe stuff, we actually, I don't know how it quite happened, but we got into World Cricket League's side of things so actually world competitions which is one of the tournaments you mentioned there so our first one was actually world cricket league seven in 2009 which uh we lost out in the final to our good friends bahrain who uh we seem to have a bit of a running uh battle with for yeah. years and that was the same tournament where we played nigeria where they yeah the field of their ghetto blaster that's right <laughs> well that, to be honest that that game sticks out for me two two reasons obviously a personal note i got a few runs and from from a team point of view, I think that Nigeria game was, if we won that, we went into the final. I, I think it worked something like that. Um, and then, so we played, we played Nigeria and they batted first. And they, they again, they were, they were a team of athletes. They were very quick in the outfield and very quick, but they weren't the, the best technical players, if you know what I mean. They got oh, 200, I think, over 200. And, you know, in 50 over cricket, if you get over 200, you're in with a sniff. Do you know what I mean? At our level, you've got a sniff. If you bowl well... You nick a couple of early wickets. You're in with a sniff. Do you know what I mean? And so we went in the change rooms. And this is what I was alluded to before with my brother. And and I spoke to Pasty and I said, this is a must-win game for us. We need to we need to absolutely nail this. He said, yeah. He said, I've been thinking about this as well. He said, you've got to bat four today. He said, I think it was Matt Oliver and Savs probably opened. And then Frithy three, me four. And then, yeah, we knocked them off two down. So Frithy got 100 and I got... 60 odd something but yeah it, it was great and it was brilliant because because it was a big game and it was the first world cricket league a lot of the um a lot of the um the beachwood kids were almost not i don't know if they've been necessarily given the afternoon off school but they the, the school brought them over to see the to see the game and then obviously we had the marquees up and everything and it was great you know and it was almost like playing in front of a little crowd it was it was it was cracking frithy was playing well we lost two i suppose early-ish wickets because you know, if I got 60 and he got 100 and we were only chasing 200, we can't, we must have been, you know, 30 odd for, for two. And it was sort of like, right, we need to knuckle down now. And yeah, we saw it through. I nearly ran 50 out of 99. I must try harder next time. Um, but yeah, we, we nearly, we ne- I nearly ran him out. But yeah, we saw it through and that was great. That was, that was a proper, in my mind, that was a proper run chase. You know what I mean? We're chasing over 200. It wasn't one of these ones where you limp over the line, seven or eight wickets down, which we see often sort of did it was a proper chase you know win by eight wickets no holds barred get the job done and do it properly you know I just bought the scorecard now I was actually playing in that <laughs> remarkably both myself and Stu Biss on plays there must have been a few injuries <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Roscoe also bowled so Ross Neller 10 overs 
One for 40. Wow. How did he get 10 overs? Good grief. I must have, he must have paid me, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was obviously the start of World Cricket Leagues. I remember the final, we lost out to, to Bahrain. What's a very strange thing happened that day on the final? I remember Gritchy and I were batting together and there was a swarm of bees or wasps that, if you remember, came oh, over yeah. and helped them. We had yeah. to lock down the wicket for about three yeah. minutes. It was strange. Yeah, um, weird, huh? Obviously then, as you know, I've made some, some notes on this and... I've sort of listed something that we've touched on before. We had a great group of players, um, very highly skilled uh, and also very committed. I remember we were doing fitness sessions uh, in the ICG with, with John Latok. We were doing net sessions. We were doing bleep tests a lot, um, which back then was, you know, we, we were sort of, again, probably a bit ahead of our time. So we were sort of doing what yeah. counties are doing, probably something to do with the fact that we had um, Keith Greenfield and, and Andy Cornford involved who were coming, bringing yeah. ideas from Sussex into Guernsey, which which obviously helped us. We, we then went on from there to uh, finish third in 2009 in Singapore, which was that one we, we you know, you spoke about. Yeah. We, we lost the first three games. They managed to win our, our next three. Again, you, we, was it you that took the catch on the boundary at long off that game? Against Cayman, yeah. With yeah, Hoops, in the last Hoops game. Yeah. Hoops bowling half volleys in the, at the desk. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Trying to lose it for us. Cheers, Hoops. Against <laughs> yeah, a um, six-foot-eight Cayman guy. Yeah. Again, good catch, that. Good yeah, catch. I remember it. It, it was going quite a rate of knots straight into the sights yeah. just to yeah. click on um, I, I've listed there that Frithy again dominating with both bat and ball again just superb I remember he getting 100 against against Malaysia in that last game that third and fourth playoff yeah um, I, I batted with him then and I remember running a three to get into his 100 and he came in and said just give me a hug I can't stand up which which obviously you know Frithy and I didn't really want to give him a hug <laughs> no I don't blame you it was um, fun, talking about a funny story actually in um, in Singapore, Frithy, he did get 100, you're right, and he, he was absolutely dead on his feet. He was absolutely shot. Um, I remember earlier in the week, we were staying in quite a nice hotel, which had like a nice gym in it and stuff. I remember Pasty, the coach, going down to, to, the, to the gym early in the morning before breakfast or whatever, just to probably need to have a sauna or something, knowing him. I wouldn't have thought he'd have been pushing many weights or anything. He bumped into Frithy on the way out of the gym, and he said, what are you doing down here then, Frithy? He said, oh, I've just done a quick run to get some miles in my legs he said what do you mean a quick run he said yeah I, I can't remember how far it was but he was sweating like mad and he says mate it's 40 degrees 90 percent humidity out there i don't want you running anywhere other than in the middle when you're batting bowled him beautiful bit of bowling from william peatfield the stump comes crashing out the ground and that's a big wicket here in guernsey versus denmark at the kg5 that's the first wicket Letizia is the one who strikes, he gives it a big celebration, he writes it up in a book, he notes it down and sends them off. That man sing to that list, that's the breakthrough Letizia needed, that's the breakthrough Guernsey needed, and that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left one, it's a big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four, don't really find the boundary twice in this game. Following on from... That tournament in Singapore, we then went on to Malaysia, obviously probably the highlight of, of like we said, of Guernsey cricket, um, yeah. gaining promotion to World Cricket League 5. And we can't help but mention that final with, with Kimbo. I think it was the final, actually, um, when I walked out to bat and Frithy was batting. I, I think it was the final. You might, you might remember this. And he, he said, to, I said to him, oh, mate, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. What's this guy up to then? Yeah, he's bigger way swingers. He's one of bigger way swingers. All right, OK, bro. So I go down there, take the guard, and then this ball comes down. I thought, well, that's miles outside of stumps. So I went to shoulder arms, and it was the biggest inducker I've ever faced. And my stumps went cartwheeling out the ground. I'm pretty sure it was the final. Cheers, Frithy. Thanks I very much. 
I'm pretty sure the game before you got run out backing up as well, didn't you? Well, I, I made a fateful error of saying to somebody on the plane on the way over there, I made the fateful error of saying to somebody, I've never been out, run out, backing up when the ball sort of touched the bowler's hand on the way through. And it happened to me twice on that trip. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll teach me. Yeah, no, that, that final was, I remember, well, shortly after I got out, I went back in the change room, packed the kit up, showered, changed, thinking, right, we're going to be out of here in the next sort of, yeah. you know, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, I think I was batting about six or seven. Yeah, and then that... <laughs> The closer we got, the more nervous everyone sort of got. I even remember Ravo actually showed a bit of emotion that day, and he actually celebrated. Yeah, he did. I can't believe it. <laughs> he, was, he was celebrating when we won. <laughs> he loves cricket. <laughs> well, it's good to see him back anyway. 2012 saw us then compete at that highest level that we've, we've ever competed at, and we said goodbye, obviously, to one of Guernsey's toughest players in Gritchie. Um, was back in was Singapore, like, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was back in Singapore, so he retired against Cayman Islands, I think. You were going to leave him out of his final game as well. Uh, and Pete, <laughs> Will Peatfield, and when, when you asked Peatfield, can he bowl, is he fit to bowl? And he said, yes. And you said, okay, great. So you can bowl 10 overs. He said, oh, no, I can't bowl 10 overs. I'm not that fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said to Will, bless him. He's, he's a good lad, Will, and he's, he's grown up a lot since then. But I said to him before the game, I said, right, mate, I said, I need 100% from me today. I said, I need to know that if I come to you in the 49th over and say, come on, Will, give me everything you've got, I want you to know that you can do it. And he went, well, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I said, right, okay. Have a seat on the bench, mate. But to be fair to him, he's, he's done very well since and he's one of our mainstays now, so good on him. Yeah, I completely agree. Will's worked exceptionally hard to get back to where he is now and credit to him. But yeah, back to Gritchie. Um, I'm not too sure how old actually he was when he finished playing for Guernsey. 72, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Diggler was obviously amazing for me, particularly myself, the younger guys I know when we first came in the squad. Great role model. And he also had plenty of time to chat about our own games and help develop us as players. I also remember him, uh, which you'll probably remember as well. I think it was in Singapore where he dislocated his, his spinning finger before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the Fizz just popped it back in. And then he said, well, you're going to be out. You can't play today. And he said, no, I'm playing. And just yeah, carried on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me a painkiller. I'll be fine. So, yeah, he's, he's certainly a tough character, which, which is yeah. what you need. Oh, definitely. Moving on to Interinsulas, uh, as I'm sure you'll want to mention about how many you've played in. Uh, so just for the listeners, how many was it? I think it was 16, wasn't it? Yeah, your famous line. So every time I actually mention something to Stu, he always just replies with 16, just because that's the... Uh, I think they were all consecutive as well, weren't they? They were, yeah, and 16 consecutive. I think I probably should have played the year before I actually got picked as well. It was one of the last times that it was a selection panel. There were three guys who selected. And it was at the sort of time where it was harder to get in the team than it was to get out of it. I remember the year or two before I didn't get paid. And there was another one where they used to play the GCA A and B games. The A team was normally like close to your island side, whether they'd been playing well or not. You sometimes might have got a guy who'd had a really good season. They were played sort of mid-season. So if you had a, had a good season, you'd get in there to see how you fared against the other island sort of thing. And I remember I was, I don't know, 17 or 18, and I had a really good season. I was playing well. I was playing the Kobo first team and batting three and, you know, batting well. I said to my dad about the the, the Ireland, the GCA A and B games, and he said, well, I'd have thought you'd I'd have thought you'd play in the A team. He said, if not, I'm pretty sure you'll get in the B. And I didn't get in any, and I was absolutely gobsmacked. I couldn't understand it because these games were like almost trials. They, they were obviously, against Jersey, they were obviously important games and you wanted to win and they were they were good. But it was almost like a... If you're doing well, you've got the carrot of these GCA games to play in. And for some reason, they didn't pick me. And I, I remember at the time, and, and he's, he's a very, very good friend of mine, and he got picked before me, Steve Burkett. Lovely, lovely guy. Couldn't wish to meet a nicer bloke. 
And I remember him saying to me at the time, he said, I, I can't really believe why I'm playing and you're not. And he was, he was a decent cricketer, Steve, don't get me wrong. He was, you know, he was a decent left-arm spinner and he, and he used to sort of like swing the bat a bit back then and give it a bit of a whack. But, you know, at the time he was, he must have been getting towards sort of 50, I'd have thought. And it, it just didn't make sense at all. And Jersey always seemed to sort of like, if they had a decent cricketer who was playing for Vic College or somebody, they'd chuck him in the B side and get him exposed to playing that sort of cricket. And it annoyed me a little bit, I have to say. So much as... I'd like it to to be that everyone sort of did it. I'm not saying that I'm the model person by any stretch, but it really focused me to try harder and get in. And thankfully, the next sort of season or so, I did. But I was I was really annoyed to get left out of that because it's yeah. it's what it was sort of it's what it was there for. You know, the the, the GCA games were there for that. Yeah, no, I've, I was fortunate to play. I think I played in two B team games um, when they were still going. So that was sort of like right at the start of when I started. Yeah, uh, almost training with the seniors, I'd say. And then actually, my, my interinsular was the polar opposite to that. I I got in when I wasn't meant to get in because Ray, <laughs> yeah, because was, sick. was sick. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, which, which is uh, much to Jamie's disgust because I've now got the cap number before him because it goes alphabetically. Uh, he keeps saying that that's actually his cap, not not mine. <laughs> It's how the cookie crumbles, mate. So you obviously played before you were captain as well under Big Z. We mentioned that with Andy Biggins, he was he was uh, six from six wins, which is very impressive. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't actually realise myself. I've always given Big Z a bit of a hard ride, but <laughs> maybe I should have been a bit kinder to him. And then you went on with an even 50-50 split. So you, you played six, won three and lost three. Um, yeah. You actually started off with, with uh, two losses as well. Yeah, I did. I remember that at the time. I used to work with a guy called Wayne Duport, who you know. And you can imagine what the, uh, the, the talk was about when I was, took over as captain and lost the first two interinsulars. And it wasn't, oh, bad luck, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that. It was, oh, out of the, I think out of the, the 16 I played, I won eight and lost eight. So they were, it was fairly even. And the first five I played, we lost. I lost five in a row, then won five in a row. And then I can't remember quite how it went after that. But yeah, that first one was ever so sweet when we won that. But yeah. Did, did you feel sort of like a, a big pressure on the captaincy after following on from Biggsy? Obviously, he had a very impressive record. Yeah, not really. I think I'm sure Biggsy won't mind me saying, I think he probably stepped down as captain because he, he probably didn't feel that he was necessarily worth his place in the team. I think as, as it happens, he actually did play the first one I captained, I think, because I remember him saying to me, he had quite a good year. And he said to me, he said, look, I know I'm not, didn't come as captain, but he said, I'm still desperate to play, but don't feel like you've got to blame me, sort of thing. But actually, he he, he, he warranted his place. So it, it was fine. It, it, it worked. But yeah, I think that's probably, I mean, I could be wrong, but fr- from my point of view, it felt like that was why he stepped down. He was thinking to himself, actually... I remember when John Mountford did all the stats and stuff, I had a, I had a look through the website, which is fantastic. I, I remember seeing Big Z batting, I think he batted number eight in one game, you know, and as, as, a, as a batter, you're like, who am I? Number eight? I mean, I batted, when I won the man of the match in the Interinsular, I batted number seven, which was probably too low. But it, as it happened, I think I was due to go in number six, but Big Z got out and Matt Oliver was meant to go in after me, but he wanted to keep a left-right-hand um, combination. So, yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, it, it, it didn't bother me, you know, in an interinsular. You, you bat where you where you bat and it, it doesn't matter. And as it happens, it all worked out fine. But, yeah, but yeah, no, taking over from Big Z was fine. It was, he, was, he was a great guy and he, uh, he, he helped me a lot. He was always there to speak to. But, yeah, he's he's good mate. Always, always played, never played in the same team other than for Guernsey. So he's always been like a, an opposing 
captain yeah. from other yeah. teams. But yeah, we've we've always got on really well. Good guy. Yeah, and then um, January 2013 was when you decided to, to step down as captain. I think you actually retired at the, the exact same time, didn't you? So from Guernsey cricket. Yeah, the, the thing was, I mean, it, for me, the winning in Malaysia, the, the Kimbo innings and everything, and winning that tournament in Malaysia, it was almost like the, the the start of the end for me, really, because because we did so well in that game, in that tournament, the next tournament was in Singapore. And I think the, the tournament in Malaysia was September and the tournament in Singapore was something like February or March. Yeah. It was early. It was before the season. So within a space of six months, we had two sort of 16-night trips away, which, you know, the ICC cover your, your costs and everything, which is great. But obviously, when you're there, you go for a meal in the evening. You know, you're, you're spending a fair bit of money, you know. Not only are you spending money, you're taking that time off work. So within a six-month period, I'd had to take a month off work and probably spend a couple of grand, you know what I mean, to, yeah. you know, doing stuff and making sure my kit was right. I need a new bit of kit before we went away and buying it. So all in all, you spend a lot of money. And, you know, it got to the stage where actually I couldn't really afford to to go away with the family and stuff as well. So and obviously back, back then, you obviously, Edward was only very young, wasn't he? You're, yeah, he was young, yeah. So it, it all sort of fell into place for me, really. I don't think I'd change it. Um, I, I've had loads of conversations with people over the last sort of five, six, seven, eight years about local sport and how, how it's changed from, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Because, and I mean, I can only really speak for the main three sports, football, rugby and cricket, in the fact that, Obviously, the Raiders and the Vikings now both play in leagues that are yeah. in the UK. Guernsey FC do the same. And cricket, obviously, we, we play in ICC Europe or it was World Cricket League then, where you have to go away. Ours was slightly different in that you, you went away for two or three weeks at a time. Yeah. Whereas these guys, you know, they go away every other weekend and it's a day here, it's a day there. And then GFC sometimes have to go away midweek and, you know, you have to leave work at lunchtime and get on a flight. And, then, and it's great. And it's all, it's all good. And you get better opposition, and you get. But what you do find is you you will lose players earlier. I think the longevity of career is shortened because people can't take the time out to do it. You know, you look at look at a football. The, the easiest way for me to describe it is you look at a football Marathi side from 25 years ago, whatever it been. When you've got all the Letizia brothers playing, you know, all the all the guys, and a lot of that team would have been well into their 30s. But for a one-off game against Jersey. They're the best team to pick. They're the best players. I couldn't ever imagine a lot of the guys, I'm sure they won't mind me saying, Carl and Kevin, you know, they're fantastic footballers. But I couldn't imagine them training week in, week out, going to England on a Saturday, coming back. And, you know, it's a massive ask for people with young families and stuff. And it just it just goes to show now, GFC struggled to get their, you know, to to get the same side out week in, week out because of job restrictions so to stop people travelling. and It's a different game now. It's, it's good in a way because it, it, it's got a lot younger people having to step up to the plate. But you, you do lose, just because someone's a bit older, it doesn't mean they're not good enough anymore. And you, But you do lose that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Just looking at our squad from last year, we only had two guys over 30 and myself and Ollie Newey. And obviously now Jamie's back training following his torn knee ligaments. Uh, the next eldest, I think, is hoops in our squad. Right. And, it, you know, one thing that, you know, uh, and I'd never sort of say, oh, my team are better than this team and all that sort of stuff. But one thing, this team is fantastic. Fielding nowadays is fantastic, you know. You, you guys do, you you got a really young fit. You know, I was always a big bloke. I was always chunky lad, you know what I mean? 
I, it helped. I could catch back then. You were always chunky. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I could catch. So I could stand at slip. I could stand at first slip and catch because I, I knew I could do that. And then sort of later in the innings, I could go and stand at either mid-wicket or extra cover. And, and I, you know, for a big lump, I, I could move a bit back then. I could dive and I could catch. So it, it didn't really matter. But then towards the end, it sort of starts getting a bit. And now I, I can't throw very well and all that sort of stuff. You know, so it, it does it does go. But, you know, it's nowadays with you guys, you almost don't have to, to worry about hiding people in the field. You've all got decent fielders you know and, and, it, and it works well yeah no definitely just to move on uh, just a quick fire round if we sort of go from your uh, time with Guernsey if you do on a collective who was sort of like the players player who the players thought were the best or, yeah. yeah I mean it's always hard to look past Frithy like I say for longevity we, we had a few um, guys that came in over the sort of the period I've been playing we had a few guys that have come in for a season or two at a time who were really good. There was a guy called Glenn Milnes, New Zealand guy who came over. He was a really good player, played sort of decent cricket in New Zealand. But I think, yeah, over the over the period of the time he played and, and what he did for Guernsey cricket, Frithy has to be the, the, the player's player. And then on that, who, who was the messiest in the dressing room? Probably Frithy, to be honest. <laughs> he was pretty bad. Crap everywhere. But yeah, um, yeah he, was, he was pretty messy. He was almost like a... An Einstein character, you know, he's highly intelligent, loved his batting and all that sort of stuff, but mess everywhere. Uh, Joker in the dressing room? Um, that would have to be Stewie Bisson, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was yeah. a great lad, Stewie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, Stewie was one of those who, and he, he won't mind me saying this either, he was probably one of the most capped 12th men players. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't actually necessarily the best bowler, batter field or whatever, but a great bloke on tour. Yeah, um, absolute epitome of when, you, when you're picking a squad of 14 players... You have to have team players and you get to a stage where, you know, you've always got your seven or eight guys who are shoe-ins and you know that. And then you've nearly got your three or four who are, are, are probables and they go in. And then you've probably got three or four guys to pick from six, you know. And again, I'm sure Stu won't mind me saying and because it's the truth. He, he was always one of the guys in that last bracket that was a decent player, but his attitude and his sense of humour and his camaraderie and all that sort of stuff that you want out of a bloke made him the first pick out of that last lot. Because you know, from a team point of view, whether he's going to open the bat in, which he wouldn't have, whether he's going to bowl, whether he's going to do whatever, or if he's going to be 12th man, you know he'd be exactly the same every game. And it, it was obviously disappointing, you know. I mean, we always have a joke, you and I, you know, when you used to first get in the tide, you know, and you knew, you, you knew you were a squad player. You weren't in the best eleven. But you like being around the guys, you enjoyed it. And, and, you know, you've done the hard yards and your time's come now where you're actually in the side and one of the, the older guys in the side and actually wanting to, to teach the youngsters how to do it. So it, it goes full circle. And when we went to places like Singapore and Malaysia, most of the guys were just happy to be on the trip, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. Playing, playing the games was, was a bit of a bonus. Yeah, and no, I, th- I think for my first probably three, four years, I used to get in solely on the basis that I was probably the fittest bloke in the squad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I used to say, right, I know that I can play six games in six days, however, or however many you want me to play. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, I can run all day, I can field, so actually, yeah, I'm, I'm your next best option as, right. as a fielder almost. And um, it is a squad, you know, it, it is a squad, and you, you have to remember that. And, and one thing that Pasty said to me very early on um, when we were doing it and, it, and it still sort of resonates now, and it's something I sort of pass on to Josh, it's not a tour, it's a tournament. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A tour is when you give everyone a game. Yeah, exactly. And then you go and have a few gin and tonics after the game. And that's that's a tour. A tournament is where you play the team that you feel is the team that's going to win you that game on that day. And if it means it's the same team on every day, so be it. If no one gets injured, that's what it is. People just have to realise that, you know, you're representing your island. It's not a case of, 
oh, jobs for the boys, we'll give him a game today and that sort of stuff. And, and that's, that's what it is. And it, it's difficult to leave your mates out. You always take the mickey out of me because of my, you know, it's been really difficult today, guys, who is going to leave out and all that sort of stuff. But it is, it's horrible, you know. You, you don't like leaving your mates out of the team. But at the end of the day, you're playing for 60,000 people of Guernsey. And that's what it is. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, who, who was the most vain? You won't say he was, but Nello was pretty vain, I reckon. Yeah, that's actually, yeah. You like a mirror as well, Ferbs. I think I passed that now. The greys are starting to come through. So yeah, yeah. Nello was a bit of a metrosexual. Uh, who was the teacher's pet? I think Kimby was Kimby like Hersey like Kimby. Both teammates at uh, yeah St Pierre at St Pierre. But yeah, other than that, I, I can't think of anyone. Can you think of anyone who would have been a, a main teacher's I, pet? Or I don't think there was anyone who was who was a teacher's pet. I think um, Gritchie and Pasty got yeah. on well together because they were pretty much the same age, so they they, they got on pretty well. Um, they can about Stepto and Son and stuff like that that was on TV. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Black and white stuff. <laughs> yeah, other uh, than that, I think we all had our moments as teachers, Pat, I suppose. Yeah, who was the best trainer? Uh, best trainer? Well, Frithy obviously trained well. Um, you I, you used to like training. To be honest with you, I, I've never been a runner. I don't like running as such. But stick a cricket ball there and a bit of chasing and a bit of catching and what have you. I don't, I, we used to all really enjoy it. I remember when, when Grubby, Keith Greenfield and Pasty first came over and did stuff and we used to have a bit of like a <coughs> excuse me, a bit like a relay before the before we did stuff. A catching relay and whatever you and the teams. And it, it was great fun, you know, you get a bit of bit of banter between the guys and stuff. And actually you come out of it sweating, you've had a good workout, but you don't feel like you've just been running all the time because you've been chasing a ball and catching a ball and I used to love doing like slip catching drills and stuff like that and you know, it was great. I, I loved it. Best dancer? Blimey. I'm normally at the bar, so I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Hoops likes to dance, doesn't he? Yeah, Hoops actually is a good dancer, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But the next one, we couldn't actually come up with a modern day one, but The Hard Man. The Hard Man for me would have been GH. Um, yeah. Yeah. If anyone mucked about in the team, I'd just sort of like say, G-banger, just sort him out. <laughs> but, but to be honest, no one did, because they knew they'd get a slap from him. I just remember Sav... Big Sav got hit into the next field in Singapore somewhere and he was chuntering away and giving it large. And GH said to him, never mind all that, Sav. If it happens again, you're going to get it yourself. <laughs> that was it. Uh, who was the grumpy man? Latch was never in the team, so it can't be him. Savs was always a bit grumpy. Big, mean, yeah. fast bowler. He was, he had a, he was, there was a lot of him, though, eh? So he had, it was a big old unit. Fair play to me. He used to open the batting and the bowling. I always remember going up to him after about six or seven overs and saying, how are you feeling, big fella? And he'd say, well, if you want me to bowl 10, I need to do it now because if I stop, I'm going to be stopped. That's it. <laughs> so very often he just used to bowl his 10 straight through and then go and graze at long off or somewhere. He's unbelievable at extra cover as well, or mid-wicket, any of those. Yeah, he's, big, he's like an octopus, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Big, big, big units. Yeah. I remember batting with him a couple of times, and he was also amazing to bat with in terms of, he just broke the game down so simply. Yeah. Just, like, he almost scored your runs for you, just made it easy. Yeah, so, he's a very, very good player. Very good player. And then on that, who's the final one, who's the biggest badger? Well, you. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you, who likes a stat, and he's a bit of, oh, Joshy likes a stat, yeah. doesn't he? He's yeah. a bit of a badger. He reels off some rubbish to me, and I'm thinking, how do you yeah. know that? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, when, when Frithy first came over as well, he was a bit of a badger because he he'd come from the the professional side of things, and he was loving it. So yeah, he's always been a bit of a badger. But you, yeah, you've sort of taken his mantle, really. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do love it. To finish off with, uh, I've given you a little bit of a heads up, but your greatest teams that you've played with or against, you've you've split yours up into two. But I'll, I'll hand over to yeah. you. 
to be honest, there's there's so many guys that I've played against over the years, like I said, that come over for knots, pro players, that I haven't really done an 11. I've got a few that have stuck out for me that I've played against. I thought, blimey, the, you know, you can tell these guys are, are proper, you know? So uh, what I've done for my, my team, I've, I've done a team of, of Guernsey players who I've played into insulars with over the years. So there's a few guys near that you think, oh, crikey, yeah, he played. And, you know, and so my team of the best Guernsey 11 that I've taken the field with, if you like, would be Glenn Milnes and Sav opening the batting, uh, Frithy at three, then Ami four, then Ravo at five, GH six, and then Ryan Bishop seven, to keep Wicket as well. Yeah. Not a bad number seven coming in, is he? <laughs> then Divan van den Hever at eight, left yeah. arm. He was Eason. Express yeah, he's very quick. Yeah, I don't think we ever saw the best of him. He was always a bit injured. I think as Kobo, because Kobo and Octis had a bit of a big rivalry back then, he always used to yeah. sort of come in and bowl gas against us. But very often he'd just bowl off a short run up. But he, when he wanted to, he could bowl very quick. He was a great fielder and smacked it miles as well. I faced him when I was I was 14. I remember playing a first division match with Tadners. He hit me in the box and then said to me, do you want me to slow it down? And I said, no. And the next ball, my middle stump was about 30 yards back. <laughs> so yeah, he was good. Then Jamie Nuz at nine, Gritchy at 10. And my old mate, Nick Derbyshire, would have been number 11. He and was... Uh, yeah, he was quick. Yeah, he was a really good, really good player, Nick. He was a good... Good bowler. Um, we never quite saw eye to eye on the pitch because he played for Rovers, I played for Kobo. We had a bit of a healthy rivalry, nothing nothing bad, you know, just a healthy rivalry. We only played one intrinsic with him. I think he was only here for one, one or two seasons. But proper bowler. I remember playing for Kobo against Rovers and I was back with Pete Vidimore. In local cricket, you know, you, you play against the same sort of people week in, week out. And this guy had just come over and he was bowling for Rovers and he was coming off for like 30-yard run-up and proper fast bowler, you know, real big action hitting the deck and it was brilliant I, I really enjoyed it it was like a, it was a proper test of us you know and yeah. Vid said the same it was great you know and actually I think they beat us on the day but it, it was brilliant to have a proper test like that because you know playing against the other guys who you, you play against week in week out you know there's always every danger that a ball's got your name on it or what have you and you probably or I was probably a little bit guilty of not necessarily concentrating 100% all the time whereas with this you had to be on it because he was bowling quick he was moving and yeah it was great it was good yeah. fun. So that would be my my eleven, and there's I've got there's a, a few others in the sort of background who I never really thought we saw the best of Tim June. I thought he was a good cricketer. You know, same as me, probably towards the end of my career. He had a young family, a couple of kids, and all that sort of stuff, and he and he did a lot of work on properties and things like that. So he he couldn't really or didn't decide to commit or whatever. But I thought actually I saw a couple of innings he played, and I thought when he bowled. I thought he was a decent all-rounder. And he, he played a bit of Essex too stuff, I think. He was around the, the time Mark Waugh was there as well. So he, he's played with and learned from a good, some good people. I thought Mark Renner, when he first came over, was a really good bowler as well. I thought he, he moved the ball away nicely. Um, far too old now, obviously. But, uh, but when he first came over, yeah, he, he, was, he was decent. His career went downhill when we changed the white balls. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he couldn't swing anything then. But no, he was he was um, a really good bloke as well. Loved cricket, loved talking about it, loved the beer. Um, good guy to, to spend an afternoon watching and playing with. Really good bloke. Meadsy, Justin Meads. I thought, you know, you won't find many people who hit the ball harder than him. Yeah. Um, he, he gave it a good whack and he could bowl pretty quick in his day as well. Um, yeah. Again, I never... I think we probably saw the best of him. Started up his own business and stuff over here, so he he, he probably wasn't on it as, as he could have been, possibly. But, yeah, again, great, great cricketer. Decent pair of hands. Yeah, you know. and I played with him at Taverners, so he was he was one of the, 
the original sort of Taverners first divisions, and he was. Yeah. Uh, I remember him bowling, like you said, bowling. He, he always was just skinnier than what you thought, and it was yeah. all in his shoulder. He didn't even yeah. run, he just sort of ambled in and then just. That's it, yeah. He was a swimmer, so I think he probably had like big shoulders, so yeah. yeah. I always remember one, we were playing the MCC one game, and they got about 350 overs, and I always remember it, a couple of their guys who weren't playing, you know, the, the touring party, nipped off for a spot of lunch came back probably after a bottle of red or something and strolled around the corner expecting us to be 120 for a nine or something. And we were right up with it. There were about 260 for six or whatever we were. And it went right down to the wire. And I'll never forget their faces when they came around the corner. It's like, almost like, blimey, you know, we don't normally get this sort of thing. You know, and it was like, yeah, well, yeah. and Meezy had gone mad. He was smacking it all over the place. But yeah, I think we still lost. But it was just nice to see him... Uh, yeah. A bit surprised for a change. Yeah, yeah, we, we've come across some really good players. I mean, I mean, you've played, you know, in, you've been in the Guernsey setup not quite as long as me, but for a long, a lot of the period that I have, and we've come across some decent players, you know, and like the Bahrain guys, that you know, a couple of those yeah. are Pakistani guys who had played decent cricket. You could tell they were good players. I mean, I don't remember names and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, over the years, did you play in that game that we played and Swan and Hales and that came over? Yeah. You know, so you know, I think that was a Kobo game that one. Oh, yeah, I think it was like the, the Kobo versus the rest of the world thing or whatever it would have been. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. Samit Patel, uh, Chris Wee. Yeah, all yeah. Michael Lum, they all play. So, you know, we've, we've played against quality players, but yeah, to pick an 11 would be, I'd struggle because yeah. I am terrible with remembering stuff. I don't remember half the people I've played against. A lot of the guys who have come over for the MCC have been, you know, pros, ex-pros. Yeah. It's a struggle to do that. But yeah, the, the team that I've gone with for the Islands team you know that would be a, a pleasure to play in yeah no definitely um we, we've been blessed with uh some very good cricketers landing on islands which actually sometimes i think they're pleasantly surprised as well about the standard um yeah. i know i know going across to play in the sussex leagues when when we used to do that a couple of years back i was fortunately playing for middleton then and, and i'll chat to other teams after we played them and uh they'd say oh, i didn't realize you know cricket was such a high standard on the island yeah I think what it does as well, if you've got good players like that, like when Nick Derbyshire played for Rovers, all of a sudden the Rovers guys think, oh, crikey, we've got a cracking player here. Yeah. And it brings their level up a bit as well. You know, all of a sudden you're not struggling to get a team out because everyone thinks, actually, we could win this, so I'm going to play. You know, and I know it's been talked about and the GPL obviously did it where we, we got players in. It just injected a little bit of something new into the local game, which was great. I, I think if, if there's any way we can do that still, it's worth doing. It creates interest. What it does is it gets the best players playing, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's something that, especially in the last sort of 10 years, is something we've struggled with. I, I appreciate that people are people have got businesses and people are working and that, you know, work and family has to come first, and I get that. But if, if we could do it now, if we could get our, even if we got our 44 best players on the pitch, we'd have four... Yeah pretty good teams do you know what I mean yeah definitely yeah. and so it, that's always been the struggle with the Guernsey cricket is getting the best players to actually play and if, if it means you know creating like a GPL type thing again then I'd be all for it you know and it doesn't have to be massive names it worked nicely the first year with James Kirtley and that you know cracking bloke yeah it, it, it's more about the guys you know Joe Gatting those sort of guys really good guys you know come want to play want to win but also enjoy a beer after the game and you know it's great. You yeah. learn a lot from him. I, th- I think that's where sort of Skeg fell in love with, with Guernsey cricket as well, as he came over to the GPL. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed it. And actually, it's, for me as a, then a youngster, chatting to players like him, Anthony McGraw yeah. was another one. He was great to chat to. Yeah. Darren Maddy, 
those sorts of players who were over for the. the See, I've forgotten about those guys as well. Yeah. You know, there was quite a few who came over for TPL, weren't they? Because obviously, to get the same one for four weeks on the trot is difficult yeah. because of county stuff and one of you. But yeah, obviously, Franks, he was a great lad, Paul Franks. Yeah, really good uh, guy. Yeah, so I know he showed a bit of interest in some coaching jobs over here as well. So you know, it. it yeah. It sort of does show that actually, yeah, we do make a bit of a mark on people. We probably got him drunk, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, sign the document when he was drunk, so there's no yeah. no way out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But no, yeah, really good guys, you know, and you, you soon sort of you can tell who the good guys are, you know, and, and all the guys you mentioned there, you know, really good guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, thanks very much for uh, coming on the pod. No worries, mate. No worries. Yeah, just, my phone's just going now. It's Gary Rich. Would you believe? Oh, he must want you to come and have a look at his swanky new house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, he's obviously I've never, seen, never seen him work so hard. <laughs> yeah, the golf course yeah. is closed, which is helping him. Absolutely, yeah, that's true. That is true. All right, mate. Good to speak to you. You too. Thanks very much, mate. Take it easy. Cheers. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and stay safe.